Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Wind-Up. I'm Scott Taylor, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, Scott. Look at all the energy. Look at all the Hear all the energy I've got. I'm on the other side of the COVID. I'm loving life yet again. I tell you what, there's nothing sweeter than seeing the negative comeback thing. Hey. Going, oh, I can breathe again now. Hey, there is something I can see sweeter. Sonic 2 now. And that's seeing you in the flesh, my friend. <laughs> I am very glad to be back. Um, but hilariously, we're going to do an old-school wind-up thing because me and you are on very different... Well, are we, though, on different sides though? of this? Because um, we thought in honour of... Elden Ring, Soul stuff, whatever. We'd rank the uh, the Soulsborne franchise so far, or whatever the hell people are calling it, Soul, Soulsborne Hero, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and we don't have a combined blind ranking. We have your top seven, my top seven, or the all seven games ranked. Um, and hilariously, I don't know if I'm going to change this as we go. We do have the same number one, but right. we'll see. Okay. Because um, we're going to have some various conversations. We'll go back and forward. Well- Carry on. It's funny that you mentioned this there. You, Carry mean, you might change gone. it as you go. Before we get to like the big reveal, yes. I want to say that my top three in this ranking could genuinely change <laughs> on a daily basis. Like Same. from from the, the the rough sketch of what I sent you this last week. Like it's already changed. That top three is completely <laughs> radically different. For me, between all of those three games, the the margin for difference or criticism or whatever is so minute yes. that it's literally just however I wake up on that day. That's the thing what is I as well. All these games are bolstered by law videos and like various ancillary extraneous media that you have to go and seek out. And it's not like all the content isn't in the games as well. I, th- I think there's a big distinction to be drawn um, over the fact that if you don't understand something like a movie, maybe you go and read the book and it's, oh, well, that detail was in the book. You should have read that. That always breaks movies for me because I'm like, well, I shouldn't have to go and do the extra reading. But um, in this case, all the material, all the um, the law, the writings, whatever, are in these games. But I feel like sometimes, um, you know, we're going to talk about law and the, fa- the way that these the franchise or the the uh, series of games deals with law. I think that elevates various um, installments, and that is what I'm going to hang some of my positives on. Even though first time through, I didn't get that stuff. Yeah. So it's but it's, it's knowing that it's in there, and we're looking at people cite these various like ways to understand the games. That it's it's kind of fascinating in a good way. Totally. I think you know like the, these games have such a long tail on them, all of mm. them, and you come to appreciate elements of them that you might not even get the first time through. Like my first run through of Dark Souls, you know, mm. I loved it, but there was so much from both a mechanical and story perspective that I just didn't understand. 
understand. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like living with it, allowing it to breathe and evolve in your mind. And that sounds really strange, but like those no, games just get better the more you think about them, the more you dive into them. And a lot of that stuff isn't necessarily even while you're playing. It yeah. is, you know, diving into lore videos. It is, you know, looking back at your experience, listening to conversations that you have with friends mm-hmm. or other people who've played them. Oh man, I mean, the, the, we'll, get to, we'll get to it. But like, obviously Elden Ring is the newest one. That's the one that a lot of people have struggled the most with in terms of the lore stuff. Vati Vidya, the king of all lore, has finally put his video out, um, clarifying a lot of different things. And I think that elevates the game overall. But we'll get there. At number seven for me and you is Demon Souls. Yes. Now, F Demon Souls, I really hated it. I just did. I mean, I didn't. The thing is, I didn't come in in 2009. I didn't play it back in the day. I remember watching the coverage of it and thinking it looked really awkward. I, my first Souls game was Dark Souls 1. Um, but Demons, when it got remastered, when it came out with the um, PlayStation 5, I was like, this looks absolutely gorgeous. But I can tell mechanically, gameplay wise, design wise, everything about it, why it didn't take off in the first place. Why it is this weird, awkward first step prototype that still, to me, feels like this hobbled cobbled together thing that is just barely formed. I, I hate Demon's Souls. See, this is the thing, right? We, we both <laughs> got this uh, last, but you're going in so hard in it where yes. I, I, I'm i adamant that all of what these games are 8 out of 10 and above. You know what oh. I mean? So even when it comes to Demon's Souls, it's last, but it's only last because there has to be something in last. You okay, know what I mean? okay. Again, like you, I've only played the remake and, you know, didn't have it on PlayStation 3 mm-hmm. and currently don't own a PlayStation 3 to play that original game on. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, I, I will agree with some of your points there that, you know, coming to this late and having it not be my first, having it be the second of last one, you know, the last new installment, I guess, mm. that I played before, mm. uh, Elden Ring, um, you know, you can see where they've evolved things into Dark Souls. You can see every single the experiments way. that they've made. To me, though, especially playing the remaster, it's still solid. It's mm. just because I know that experience through and through that it's last. If that was the first one I played, I think I would love it. Mm. But because I... I I can see how it's put together in a way that I couldn't when I when you first start the series. That yeah. Yeah, is lower than the rest for me. I think it was just, for me. It was just like none of the bosses really impressed me, and I think the more it just felt like a slog. A lot of the the thing is like it's really interesting or it's really fascinating with FromSoft over the years where they've they've done the whole thing that Hidetaka Miyazaki talks about about trying to manufacture a real struggle because you should overcome something, and that feels genuinely gratifying to overcome something in real life, and he wants to replicate that in the games and trying to um, make that happen for players has resulted in all sorts of cheap BS across these games um, that it, you know contributes to a general feeling of oh 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 FF like you know. FFS in the sake of this game. I just want to get through this thing, but then you finally do and it feels good. I feel like the Demon Souls swings in the wrong direction for that stuff, where it's just too many cheap um, level layouts, boss mechanics, whatever. Some stuff that I think is just just exhausted. It's obviously exhausted at this point, but it was it was a, just a bit too cheap in the first place. And just going through Demon Souls, obviously the remaster, uh, the visual side of it is gorgeous. And I know the people who got on board with it in 2009, like it is like a cult classic. Yeah. Um, love a lot of those bosses, like the Flame Lurker and stuff like that. And they are like visually impressive and like but for me it just it just doesn't have that spark it doesn't have that moment where I went this is all coming together in a way that would make me recommend it like I would never recommend Demon Souls other than the visuals and even that's only the remaster see that kills me I would definitely (laughs) recommend Demon Souls like if you have a PlayStation 5 especially and you want to play something that looks great and is Mm. you know obviously the Souls formula like Demon Souls for me is a great showpiece for that console I think like you said you know graphically from a visual presentation standpoint Mm -hmm. it is astounding I love the attention to detail there and I know that might be sacrilegious to some who didn't like the changes that were made to the original. Right. But it's it's interesting because I wanted I want to talk to someone who played this game after the others and mm. has it as their favorite. Because for me, I just couldn't get to that point because I was maybe spoiled by the other games. Mm-hmm. Had I been there from you know day one in 2009 championing this thing, like I might have loved it more. Maybe I need to spend more time with it. I don't know. It just felt like having seen what came after. 
it's it it, it it occupies a low spot just because there of is, that inherently. Yeah, we talked about this before we were recording, but there's something to be said about like the Soulsian tilt, which is to say that whatever your first Souls game is will not, will nigh on always be your favorite mm. because there's something about experiencing just how unique and crazy and oppressive these games feel and then overcoming it that sticks with you. And then no other game, even in the same franchise, can get close. Well, can, can get close, but can never like surpass it. Or can it? Um, next thing is, uh, let's go with your number six, which is Dark Souls 3. Yes. Now, I have Dark Souls 3 at number three, because I love Dark Souls 3. You should talk about how that's your second, quote-unquote, worst one. Um, well, again, you know, it's all relative. It's because something has to come in six. Uh, like Could have been Dark Souls 2. Like you said, it. well, here's the thing. Like you said <laughs> at the start of this um, video, uh, you know, we've been living on soul stuff. I've mm. literally gone from 130 hours in Elden Ring to playing all of Dark Souls 2, <laughs> and now I'm going through Dark Souls 3. You know, I'm you like, got uh, me buying Dark Souls 2. I, I was know. like, I haven't played this since 2014, but I'll, I've never played the Scholar of the First Sin stuff. We'll get to Dark Souls too, but just the absolute sickness that is me and you at the minute. I know, it's Dark crazy. Souls 2, just it's, ridiculous. It's nuts, man. But yeah, like going through <laughs> Dark Souls M3 straight after Dark Souls 2 and straight after Elden Ring, mm. it's been interesting because Dark Souls 3 is kind of a game that I took for granted for a long time when mm. that came out in 2016. You know, I was so familiar with that series, you know, having played uh, Dark Souls, having played Bloodborne, getting a hang of that flow that I kind of like took it for granted. I just think it's, it does a lot of things incredibly well, mm. but nothing really spectacular. Like the combat is faster, much, much faster than yeah. Souls 1 and Souls 2. It has a little bit more to it in terms of animations and weapon variety and all of that stuff. It's just, I kind of look at it, and I think the big difference between this and my next pick, which is Dark Souls 2, <laughs> is in the world design, because they try to go back to the kind of more Dark Souls 1 <laughs> um, approach to the world being like this one big interlocking thing, but it's still got the linearity of a Demon Souls or a Dark Souls 2 where you're pushing through it, and you're not circling around in the same way that you did Dark Souls 1. So for me, it's kind of like... It's it's not as much of a step as I wanted it to be. It's just it's very refined. It's very good. I would definitely recommend it to anyone who likes this, these games. Obviously, just like you were saying there with Demon Souls, it doesn't have that same spark that the other ones quite do. Oh, see, for me, three felt like a victory lap because obviously they'd done uh, Bloodborne, yeah, Dark Souls one and two. Three was was obviously Miyazaki returning in full, having been away from the initial version of Dark Souls two, and then and then patching it for the Scholar of the First Sin stuff. And so Souls three for me felt like this this comfort blanket, this welcome back victory lap type thing that also embrace the next level of what I think makes Souls games so incredible which is visuals which is like genuinely awing you with certain visuals like the first time you see Irithyll for the first time the capital the first time you fight the Nameless King um, even the final area where you fight I think it's called the Nameless One or whatever that final boss is where it's almost like a mimic of you but you're fighting it in that twisted collapsing yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, space those are the things that I think carry straight into Elden Ring which is ma obviously makes that game so gorgeous um, and as much as obviously there are great vistas in Dark Souls 1, 2 and uh, Bloodborne beforehand and demons um dark souls 3 just had that extra level of of craft and care put into the visuals that i think i started to elevate the whole thing and that's alongside like you said the combat refinements it plays so well um and they give you really badass armor and stuff in that game like you can look like an absolute just crazy sauron style um like i'm like a strength dex build so it's like yeah. that made the most sense um and like yeah like it just it was just so moorish and it's quite it's not easy but it's not that hard either and like it was quite a sweet spot for me where i just i just took it in it was just sort of like boss battle, cool exploration, great vista, next boss, um, crunching a soul, like a boss soul, it's getting a cool weapon, and oh my god, this thing's great, and I can actually wield it. I don't have to grind another 10 hours to hold this thing, Elden Ring. I can actually <laughs> just play it. And so Dark Souls 3 for me, that's why it's number three for me, is just that it, it just comes together so well. That's actually the one that I give people to recommend. Right, um, okay. 
yeah. I just I just think it's the easiest one to go. This is what a Souls game is, and you go here, you go without all the the BS that you have to get used to if you just give them Souls One or whatever. That's interesting. I want to touch on a few things that mm. you mentioned there. You know, you referred to Dark Souls Three as kind of like a comfort blanket mm-hmm. and a victory lap, and I would fully agree. It definitely feels like that. But I think it's telling that the games that I have at the bottom two, Demon Souls and Dark Souls Three, mm. are the games that most feel like a comfort blanket, yes. and I almost don't want these games to feel. They are the safest ones yeah. in that way. Yeah, it's like safe and it's nice, but like I, I need that kind of like something extra, that bit of surprise, that bit of um, madness, the bit of experimentation <laughs> and stuff. Um, it's it's it's. I was talking to you before we came on the podcast this morning about you know the, the experience that I had with Dark Souls three this time around, and mm. when I played it for the first time back in 2016, after coming immediately from Bloodborne, mm. I thought it was like incredibly easy, almost disappointingly easy because right. I had those reflexes from Bloodborne. But going straight from Dark Souls two to three is an entirely different. Um, experience entirely because those rhythms of combat are so different Mm -hmm. and three brings in so much from Bloodborne in terms of aggression and kind of like the faster paced player Mm -hmm. uh, the more bigger emphasis on dodging and kind of attacks that are delayed and stuff you know you you need to have better reflexes to play three than you need to to play two Mm -hmm. you know I think that's not a really controversial take but it's it's interesting how I found it a bit more difficult this time around being in the rhythm of Dark Souls 1 and 2 and then coming to this and kind of being like okay I need to unlearn some stuff that was kind of exciting I will disagree slightly on the visual aspect of really? it. Just from an entirely personal perspective, hmm. so much of the appeal of these games, uh, for me personally, is based around the visuals and the aesthetic hmm. and the world that is built. And when I look at Dark Souls 3, actually for me, one of the biggest disappointments in comparison to some of the other games is that the visual design doesn't wow me in the same way. The ones that you mentioned absolutely do. You mm. know, like you're going into Anna Lundell with the skybox, like that's awesome. You're going into um, the place with the dragon to fight the Nameless yes. King. Awesome. The the entire final area with the final boss, incredible. Mm. It's just that in the early hours especially, I'm kind of like, okay, it's a poison swamp. Okay, it's the undead <laughs> berg, which, uh, not the undead berg, the undead settlement, which looks a lot like, you know, some of the areas in Blood Bomb, but with that's in the, the day. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I like a lot of that stuff. I'm not saying any of that stuff is bad, but compared to some of the other games, it doesn't have the, holy crap, I can't believe this skybox, this Vista, in the same way that I get from ones further up the list. I know what I you mean. Say. I think that they are really high points. And I think that, that that's the thing for me, that's what elevates Souls 3 overall. Like, it, But it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't maintain that level of quality the whole way through, or that level of vista wowness the whole way through. But it was enough for me. It was little pockets of things that I thought were gorgeous. It's almost like in Souls 2, when you walk out of the start and you see Medulla for the first time, that yeah. that was like almost the first time they kind of really wowed you. Like you kind of had the Knight Solaire thing um, in Souls 1, but it just there's something about Souls 3 that I just, for me, like my whole gradient with games is just like, what were you going for and what did you achieve? And for it, like, it's not the, Souls 3 is like a victory lap, it is a comfort blanket, but it felt like the culmination of like all those design lessons across the last seven years, whereas like Demon Souls feels like this, like I said, cobbled together attempt at something that just barely holds together. I just, I really didn't like demons. Yeah. Um, but Souls 3, it knows what it is and it knows what it's going for and it can execute on the, on those things. Um, um, sorry, yes. before we move on, I just want to yes, make yes. one final point and that's referring to something that you mentioned right at the very start because Souls 3 um, is maybe the only game in the entire canon so far mm. that was also elevated by an extra video essay that I saw on it. I watched uh. it again recently. I've seen it a few times. I think it's so good. It's by right. Jacob Geller and it's called um, Dark Souls 3 is Thinking of Ending Things. And they cool. kind of put into perspective the way that the game uses like the iconography from one, especially, you know, it's so indebted to one, like you said, it's a victory mm. lap. You know, you're seeing repeated places, you're seeing repeated enemies, repeated uh, scenarios, themes, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like that Jacob Geller uh, kind of like puts it into perspective and talks about it as like a meta thing of like, 
uh, from software and the Dark Souls kind of like law in general, it mm. being like as far as you can push this, like we can't keep doing this. Like you can't keep um, setting, you know, kindling the flame just to keep the, <laughs> the age going when the age needs to die. Like you need yep. something new. And I like that being the message of the final Dark Souls game. And it just being like, look, we need to move on to something new now. Both yeah, in yeah. the story and literally as developers like this, we'll, we'll, we'll do a victory lap. We'll put a line underneath it. Mm. But we need you to know that we can't just keep doing this forever ever with the, the same things. We need to put this to bed and kind of see what comes next. And obviously what came next was Sekiro, was Elden Ring. All That's of that the thing. Stuff. I do love that. I made me appreciate it a little bit more. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. 
Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Yeah, man, like, Souls 3, like, yeah, it feel, it felt like one of the last times they could do that, and it's, like, in, in its favour. But also, massive, if we're speaking of essays, massive shout-out to Noah Caldwell-Gervais's five-hour, five five-and-a-half-hour thing. I've watched about half of that so far, um, but great. not going to go on about that too much. But um, in terms of, like you said, that Dark Souls 3 being, being a literal ending to the trilogy, if you start diving into the lore stuff, Dark Souls 3 is where they bring back the third of Pygmy character, who's mentioned at the very beginning of Dark Souls 1, um, and it kind of ties those things together in a more specific way than I think you are aware of the first time you go through through them because it's just the lore is just so in the background um but all those considerations are there for storytelling once you start going looking for them um but yeah noah caldwell gervais's five hour um i played all three games and all i made was this lousy video thing Dude, next level i uh next I, level I literally last week when i saw that drop it was it was kind of like <laughs> hey, babe wake up new noah just dropped you know what i mean i literally said to my partner i was like i was like listen i'm gonna take wednesday night off and i'm right. watching it front to back like i'm gonna I'm like, you booked the time in i, I had to book Leave it me I alone. Like, please let, let me let me book this time in five hours of it i'll get some snacks <laughs> and i'll get a takeaway and i'll watch this thing front to back and it was great i yeah. uh i had that on just mopping stuff up in elden ring and right. it's uh it's a gorgeous time speaking of what isn't a gorgeous time my number six my second worst is bloodborne Oh! Which I know is a dagger to the heart. I never click with Bloodborne. I love like the HP uh, Lovecraftian visuals. I like the whole alien reveal thing towards the end. Like the fact that all the um, I, th- I forgot what they even call them ancient ones. Like the the big the fact that they were there all along. Yeah, basically, the old ones. Yeah, the old ones is a really cool thing. I like all that celestial stuff that they start doing more of, which obviously is in Elden Ring and whatever too. Um, but Bloodborne overall never click with me in terms of I didn't I just didn't enjoy playing it. I I never really click with the whole you're supposed to charge into fights thing. Because for me, they didn't give you enough mechanics to tangle with like enemies in that way. Like I never felt like I could get in the pocket of a cluster of enemies and really have fun taking them all on in a way that would let me regain health because they have that whole more aggressive you are, the more health you get back thing. But I would just get tagged with stuff. And it was because it's still a Souls game. It's still the same Soulsian AI. Like it's not like, I just didn't feel like they give you enough abilities. I needed maybe some sort of burn this one ability to do a crowd clearing thing or, or just something. Like I just, I've always referred to it as Dark Souls with a dash because I just couldn't, I just can't get it like play through that game um like i said love the look of it i love when they started drip feeding more of a, a lore as well it was like here's this this village of um you know bygone hunters and the, the, it's, everything's built on top of another city that used to be there and like everyone's dealing with this sort of frenzied thing that's taking control of people and for me they started being more over lore and i love everything other than playing it i just and i don't i don't like the um the color palette either which is a very specific stupid thing potentially to focus on but i didn't enjoy looking at that game like Color-wise, color grading-wise, like I love the art direction, yeah. the the dank cathedrals, the Eastern European stuff. Um, but I, I was just like, it's just this big gray smudge that I just didn't enjoy getting. I didn't, I didn't like Bloodborne at all. That's, so, uh, yeah. I mean, w- w- that hurts me personally. I know, but it's also good because you know, like you, like we were saying, you know, so much of this it comes down to like almost like granular. Yeah. What do you like? Do you like the gray smudge <laughs> or do you not like the gray smudge? And for me, I love the gray smudge. I, mm-hmm. I totally get what you're saying. I think you know, Bloodborne is an odd one. I think it's a lot of people's favorites and like. A lot of people, a lot of people's like first one. Bounce off. Yeah, that's yeah. true. A lot of people's first one as well. For me, like this could be my top. Like for the longest time, this was the one I loved the most. So we're saying you have it at number three. I do. I have it at number three, but I had it at number one when I sent you the preliminary oh. uh, list last week. I think uh, it's it's sitting at three for now, right? Because I, everything that you just mentioned that you don't like about the game is what I love about the game. Mm. You know, it did click with me from a combat perspective. I liked it being a little bit faster. I liked having more mechanics to learn after because it was the first one I played after Souls One. I mm-hmm. played them in really quick succession. Uh, I, for me, like the more aggressive player, and it's definitely the visual and law stuff that gets me in the most. You know, mm. I was talking to um, a friend of mine, uh, Jess, at the weekend, and she was talking about, you know, Bloodborne was the game that when she couldn't 
didn't feel like she could play it because she didn't have the skills to play it. Like she'd watch run throughs of it. Like right. she'd keep watching run throughs and now she's finally playing it. And she's talking about how like victorious she felt when she like beat the first mm-hmm. boss. She could finally like play this game that she's enjoyed for so long. Mm-hmm. But I think that aesthetic, that law, that kind of, you know, like you say, this mix of Bram Stoker horror with Lovecraftian monstrosities towards the end. Uh, just, I, th- I think it just has a certain appeal to it. And if you're a maybe a big bad goth like me, uh, it's, <laughs> how dare it's... you accuse me of not being a big bad goth? <laughs> of all the a, men, you're a big metal goth man. Is it's a slightly different vibe uh, to that? I think I'm loving my chem. Depends <laughs> what it is. Certainly do. <laughs> um, yeah, like that, that vibe just resonates with me so much. It's, mm. it's, it's. You, some people get lost in Souls games and want to drink it all in, drinking all the law. That's the one that I've done it with in a way that I That's haven't. The with thing. Yours. I, I totally agree with you. Like, I, I love all that stuff. Like, that was always the vibe. That's always what annoys me about Bloodborne because I, I, I love the art direction. I love right. the, like, a lot of the boss designs, those weird inside out wolves that you're just fighting, the Blood Cleric Beast and all these different things. And the fact that you have that big celestial fight at the end, or you can, it's an optional one, but all those things. That stuff should it should make it my S in the most specific way possible. But playing it, I just thought was just horrible. I just I couldn't I, I could never clicked with it, um, and I never clicked with like because a lot of it is almost parry based. Like it is dodge yeah. based, but a lot of it's parry based. And I just I've never been a parry player, and so like maybe that's some of it that I just uh, couldn't focus on. I also went nitpicking. Um, this is complete again completely personal thing, but it's on top of what I think are more valid critiques that I've already mentioned is the fact that I hate the finishing animations in Bloodborne. Oh, like that we just plunge your hand into a bum and then pull what out? How is that not the best thing in the entire world? You uh, use what's going fist, on? You use your fist, you just get straight in the chest. But it doesn't make any sense. Like, why? What, 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 why can't it, why, how's he, why can I punch <laughs> through a man? I just don't even know what it is. Punch through a monster. Punch through a monster and yeah. then like pull something out. And yeah. I'm like, I don't, I never got what that was. It was like a bad version of it, Metal Gear Rising's finish, <laughs> which looked really cool. He pulls out the guts and oh, look at the guts that I've got. But in Bloodborne, he just sort of goes, ah, punch and then pull. And that's it. And I'm like, yeah, I, just, I always hated that. I, was, oh, I've I dig that. just fought through this boss and I'm doing this. And just, I've got a whole thing about, I, I, it's the most nitpicky thing as a FromSoft fan for how long now? Like 12 years, 13 years. Um, watching uh, the backstab animations evolve, change, and then go back again in Elden Ring. Just, just do more, Miyazaki. Make more. <laughs> you've just you've, you've never nailed the, the, the finishing stuff. I'll tell you this. It's interesting when we get to a certain game, and this is why am I being coy, when, when we get to Dark Souls 2. Yes. Because going into Dark Souls 3, it's interesting what they change back to feel like Dark Souls 1. Mm. It's, in, it's just interesting to me where they make changes, and then they think, oh, no, we're going to go back to something in that is, in my eyes, maybe even a little more rudimentary. And I right. like that as an aesthetic choice because I don't fully get it. Well, okay, okay. I think I mean, that's the whole thing is like, how does the, uh, the the franchise feel in retrospect, especially as like a trilogy of games? Um, we should talk about Dark Souls 2 because um, it's your number five. Um, above Dark Souls 3, um, Dark Souls 2 is my number five as well. Um, however, I don't really rate Dark Souls 2, but it was my second Souls game in full. It was one of the, it was the first one I reviewed for War Culture and we started doing coverage on. So that was quite fun to get it early and, and get stuck in in that way. But then all the changes they made, the things that they did to make it more like Demon Souls, like capping your health when you die, um, you know, the the way that like the opening rolls out where you go to Medulla and even getting the Estus flask or knowing where to go is optional. Like you can, I, I did the first time through, I missed the, um, I think we call the woman who gives you the Estus flask, um, but I missed that and I went to the wrong area. So <laughs> I spent the first like two or three hours just wandering around with no way to heal, getting my health capped, just going like, is this the soul, this is the soul's experience? Like coming off Dark Souls 1, going like, I, Dark Souls 1 is like the epitome of everything and then hating Dark Souls 2. Right. That's not to say that there aren't um, positives for Dark Souls 2, but I think that's where you come in because you've played through 
way more of it recently. And uh, I think you came away from it a lot more surprised. Yeah, th- yeah, totally. You know, Dark Souls 2 was the one that I just didn't play because everyone mm. was like, you know, it's it's the bad one. It's the one well, without Miyazaki. Like, don't bother. I, I just went straight to Blood. <laughs> that was just me outside your window. Just, <laughs> Stop playing it, John. Very true. But in order to uh, finish, or at least complete it in my mind after Eldering, I was like, I need to play this game mm. finally. So I went and played it, and I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I didn't expect to enjoy it anywhere near as much as I wanted to. And it is incredibly different from Dark Souls 1, and I'm almost pleased I didn't play it after to Dark Souls 1 because mm. I would have wanted it to just be Dark Souls 1 and it's a very different game you there know, is like that. you said with the health capping with the addition of you know healing items with the changes to healing the fact that you don't just heal automatically it's mm. over time uh, combined with the world design that no longer has that kind of puzzle box thing of folding in on itself it's more yeah. distinct levels that often don't even make sense like you can go up like a random tower and suddenly <laughs> like, there's another sky you know it just happens to be there it's very video gamey mm-hmm. but I, I ended up really appreciating all of those changes because they added something new like mm-hmm. I said it added that spark of madness that I didn't quite get from Dark Souls 3 which felt like a follow up to Dark Souls 1 whereas this feels like it's own thing it feels like it's thematically fits with the previous um, game mm-hmm. But I like that it's telling its own story, you know, after, like, maybe even hundreds centuries after the, the first game story. It just kind of, it, it had an element to it from a visual standpoint as well that mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed. Like you said, you know, going out to Majula, seeing, like, the Arch Dragon, mm. uh, like, I guess, maybe Arch Dragon Peak, something, like, with the dragon. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to mention that earlier because we were talking about Vistas and stuff. That That is my favorite visual in right. any Souls game, even though it is in Dark Souls 2. It is when you first see Arch Dragon Peak and you see the amount of dragons that are rendered that are all flying around above you, and you, ha- you have that fight with the one dragon who's, like, kind of sleeping and then wakes up. That Yeah, that stuff looks great. I, yeah, Souls 2 is a fascinating thing to dissect. Like, it is this weird sort of, it doesn't really fit with everything else, but, like, there are, like, there are pros and cons. They tried a lot of different stuff. Obviously, it isn't Miyazaki in the initial version when he came back and did Scholar of the First Sin. Um, and the DLC is really cool, too. But, um, yeah, Souls 2 was just this weird thing for me where I, I got sick of how much the bosses duplicated, and it was like, oh, here's, like, here's two of the same thing again. It, mm. just, it felt like they were just a bit too exhausted turning it around. And I know that if you dive into the development of it, it was quite a tumultuous development. Um, but if you're going to go and check out Dark Souls 2, it would be the Scholar of the First Sin one. Um, we should move into the juiciest stuff, which uh, are the final three games to talk about. Um, and Sekiro. Sekiro is my number four. Sekiro is also your number four. Wow. So we're doing, we're we doing do pretty sing. good. Yeah, we're um, right. a fascinating thing because it is the most mainstream, quote unquote, of the ones that they put out. And it's telling that it was published by Activision. Now, I don't think that Activision had much say in the creative side of it. But I do love that they, like you said, with Souls 3, it was like that formula was done. We need to do something else. And then Sekiro is, is like, again, it's all quote unquote, but is the most straightforward one of these. Right. Where it's like, here's your character, here's a very specific build that you have. You can unlock abilities, but you have one weapon that you need to master, a whole new combat system that is way is entirely prevalent on parrying and defense, uh, defense, turning things around in specific timing windows, and cutscenes where characters talk to each other, and, like, you know, here's a flashback sequence, and here's why you're fighting. Um, and I, yeah, I love all that stuff. Like, I'm an absolute simp for Japanese stuff anyway, so, like, I love all those things. I love all the uh, Japanese demons and mythology side of it. Um, Sekiro was just the, the only mark against Sekiro was a complete personal thing, was how long it took me to be Genichiro, because um, right. that fight was just brutal, <laughs> and uh, it took me just days of just being like, oh my god, just die. Um, but as a full package, I think Sekiro is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I think it might have like the best combat out of yeah, any of them. maybe. I do, but it's also the s- most simple combat. It's yeah. true. It, it's yeah, it, it's definitely like the the one that you can't you, like you can't have a build in it. For instance, you know, you no, have not to really. play it like it wants you to play it. Which mm-hmm. I guess I totally understand why that turns a lot of people off. But for me, getting into the rhythm of Sekiro was like unlike anything else combat wise in the entire 
entire franchise, whether mm. we're talking about Bloodborne, Elden Ring, what have Every you. single enemy kill is like the energy they put into the finishing animations. Everything yeah. has a thum hit, and you're just, just wrecking guys yeah. in Sekiro. Like, yeah. I think because of that, though, funnily enough, it was actually, it's probably the second most difficult one that I played, uh, mm. at least at the time, because you have to unlearn everything that you learned yeah. from um, Elden, um, sorry, Dark Souls, Souls 3, Souls 3 uh, Bloodborne, all of those mechanics, you kind of have to unlearn it and play it differently. Yeah. So if you're going straight from them and you're trying to play it similarly, even similarly to Souls, like you're going to get your ass kicked. Mm. And it took me a while to understand that, but I appreciated that so much, like the fact that they were doing something different. I love their like rock, paper, scissors approach because that was the thing. Mm. Like, for the longest time, and so, I mean, that's the thing, we're so far past this now in terms of how much time has passed, but like turtle poking and circling around enemies and just getting behind something and poking it until it dies was the Souls tactic. And I love that they acknowledged that and went, okay, we're going to make a game where you can't do that. Every enemy has an animation. They'll whip around and catch you if you try and go around them. You need to face them head on. And every attack has a counterattack. Everything has a rock, paper, scissors style. Um, trium- I discovered triumvirate as a word either day. Like Three that. things connected. Love it. And um, why trivium? I call trivium. But also, <laughs> um, the nice little tri- triumvirate of that rock, paper, scissors approach to combat where you can block everything, parry everything, use this attack, whatever. That dance with enemies when you start chaining it together, like that, it just, it flows. Yeah. Like the animations are so slick and across all of Sekiro. Yeah, 100%. It's kind of like why I like uh, Sifu as well. You know, mm. it kind of has that kind of head The game on. of the year, Josh Brown. Yeah, uh, no, that could not. I mean, not with Elden Ring <laughs> around, my friend. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, like, like I, I fully agree with everything you just said. The yes. only way it's not higher for me and it doesn't break into that top three masterpiece tier is just because I think some of the bosses are a little underwhelming. Mm. Like, I can't remember too many of them right now. Like you said, the story mm. is more straightforward, but that's also kind of made it more forgettable for me. Like, right. I think we've talked about this before, but I can't remember almost anything from Sekiro's story. <laughs> well, it's quite a basic story, really. Accessible. Yeah, very yeah. true. And finally, the only reason it doesn't get into the top tier is because I had the same issue that you had with Elden Ring, where it's, I thought it was wrapping up Sekiro. Right, right. And then when it wasn't, I was kind of like, is this poorly paced? Is this a me thing? I didn't mm. really know. But the final five hours or so, um, still really good, still high quality, but... I thought they got the pacing a little bit wrong. Right, okay. I thought it was ending when it wasn't. The um, only thing uh, that I agree with you on there is that I missed the Demon of Hatred first time. Ah. And then afterwards, I was just like, I, I used that cheese method that they patched out and just watched it fall to its own stupid death. So <laughs> that, that I'm not fighting you after I've done Genichiro. That but, was so difficult. Yeah, that thing was an absolute mess. Um, top two, uh, I'm going to stick with my original ranking so that we don't agree because then it's more interesting. <gasps> um, top two, you have number two, Elden Ring. Number one, Dark Souls. I have number two, Dark Souls. Number one, Elden Ring. Let's talk about your number one, which is Dark Souls. Yes. Which was my first Dark Souls. I get the, the Soulsian tilt. Yeah. Um, but I'll get to why I think Elden Ring is better overall. Why is Dark Souls your number one? It's full Soulsian tilt, baby. It's <laughs> full full that. If you had someone come up to me and say, which game should I play? I'd say play both of them, please. Yep. But I would probably recommend Elden Ring as kind of maybe more accessible, maybe a more, more of a crowd pleaser. But Dark Souls 1 is kind of one of those life-changing experiences. A little bit like Elden Ring, but Mm. that was the first time, you know, I'd ever played one of these. Mm -hmm. And the way it operated, you know, with that um, level design that kind of interconnects with each other, like, I don't think I've had wow moments Mm. in this franchise like I have had with that first game just by the way that the levels were designed Mm -hmm. and that sense of awe, that sense of things are getting bigger, like the the, the scale of this is constantly expanding and you feel kind of like you're part of this whole world. It's it's absolutely in the level design. Like I think the bosses are great. I think Mm. the visual design is awesome. The combat still holds up. I like the slower pace. It's so chunky. Dark Dark Souls 2 because that retains like the slower, more methodical Mm. approach to combat. But yeah, it's 100% in the level design. Like you know, the, the, every area in that game 
even some of like the, the later ones, which are clearly unfinished, you yes. know, like Eyes Lift. Eyes Lift, yeah. And that's the only reason <laughs> why I would um, kind of maybe put Elden Ring above it or maybe say it's more recommendable because, you know, it's Dark Souls, even though Demon Souls came before, it's very much a, an experimental stab at this style. And mm. they don't get everything right, I don't think, especially in the later half, but they get so much right. And the highs are so bloody high. The thing is, it's worth saying that we are splitting hairs. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and Dark Souls 1 was my original number one. Um, I just think that if I'm factoring in, like I said, how much something goes for and how much they achieve, um, and it's not to get all lost in subject- subjectivity, objectivity, I there are some things in Elden Ring, and it is bolstered by the law. That's why I mentioned that at the beginning. It is bolstered by Vati's video, Vati Vidya's video um, because um, Elden Ring's overall world is just so well realized yeah. and I think that the, the world that they create and the fact that it doesn't entwine with Dark Souls and they take that feeling that you just described of everything connecting to everything else and then spread it out across this humongous world like this multi-layered place that has a whole secret like star based like underworld underneath the map and the way that they uh, lay everything out where you can't go wrong everything fe- feeds back into everything else um, and the world is just so rich like whether you're getting lost with side quests you're doing Rani stuff if you're doing Corbin stuff or Corbin stuff, um, or you're just getting lost ranking stuff up, like it's it is in the end game where I've kind of just gone like, oh, I love the design of this whole thing. Like yeah. it was always I was always looking for that clarity I would get when I hit credits because then I can kind of take a step back. For me, I'm always on like a certain treadmill or a certain focused path to, to just sort of get like a through line of a game and then step back and go, okay, like let me let me take this in. Um, and that was my whole thing with Elden Ring where I was like, nah, this is unbelievably impressive um, and I feel like they took that original Soulsian energy that vibe of like being you against the world but it is now a world and like you know they have like various mini Souls games dotted around that map yeah. um, it's almost like like three or four Souls games combined kind of thing um, and I just love the the path they put you on. And as much as I think that the damage scaling is a bit naff, um, some of the final bosses don't, they start one-shotting you in a way that the early ones weren't to the point where the game's just telling you, go explore. Um, if you do go explore, you're always rewarded. And I think that the level of lore that's in there is the kind of thing that is finally as rich as the world itself. Um, which is something that I can't say, and I could be completely wrong about the older Souls games. They didn't make me think um, in in the way that I love the character drama of Elden Ring, right? Um, okay. And like looking at the family, there's a family tree you can look up and, and get used to who's who and who do betrayed who and who killed who. And I just love all that stuff. And bits and pieces of that were in the old ones, but that's what elevates it for me. So I think some of it might be recency bias, but I think if I if I really get brass tacks about it, Elden Ring is just this. M- mammoth thing yeah. that I just think for now at least is above Dark Souls well this is it man I think they're both 10 out of 10 genuine mm. like masterpieces and it is splitting hairs at a certain point yeah. for me it's just it is completely subjective it's how much Dark Souls like changed <laughs> my life when I was uh, a little bit younger, you know, playing that for the first time was revelatory I hadn't played anything like it so I have such fun memories of every area in that game I, mm-hmm. I know so well because mm-hmm. I spent so much time in it you know struggling through most of it mm-hmm. having to learn this entire thing but yeah I'd fully echo everything that you just said about Elden funnily Ring enough uh, I will say and it's like it, it might sound cheesy or whatever but there's something about and it was Dark Souls 1 there was something about overcoming that level of adversity like genuinely just being pummeled into the ground by a digital creation a computer game something you have to interact with and train your brain and steal yourself and not get carried not get too annoyed and like literally like overcome a lot of your own predilections and emotions there is something about beating one of these games and I had this feeling with Dark Souls 1 where I felt like I could then go out and do other things in life because right. I was just like but I, like whatever it was it was like well if I've got through this I can get through that 
that. And like, I've always carried that with me. I know it's just just a game, nah, but to me, cool. it's more than that. And I, yeah. I and it, it was that thing where I was just like, because nothing's going to be as hard as beating Ornstein and Smile, <laughs> mainly only with no summons. I don't care. Like it's it doesn't matter what it is. And I just I've always carried that with me. And I think that's the thing that Miyazaki was wanting to imbue in the first place. Yeah. Um, which is why something like Dark Souls is so much bigger. Um. So yeah, I might just flip it to be honest. Dark Souls one number one. <laughs> I don't know. They're both as valid as each other. To run them down, JB's uh, top seven was from seven to one. Demon Souls, Dark Souls three, Dark Souls two, Sekiro, Bloodborne, Elden Ring, and Dark Souls. And mine seven to one was Demon Souls, Bloodborne, Dark Souls two, Sekiro, Dark Souls three, Dark Souls one, and Elden Ring at number one. At least for now. Let me think some more, and we'll see. Uh, for now, this has been the wind up, though. I've been Scott Taylor, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Taylor. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. Come find us on social media. Let us know your favorite Souls games, and we'll catch you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.